street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. Please follow me on Twitter at MagnaBosco or on Facebook and YouTube at MagnaBosco210. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. Video one. Is it your perspective that the Christian worldview is in fact the objective truth of the matter? Yes. Huh. Video two. But there's always that factor of we're human beings, we've all had different experiences, we all come from different backgrounds, and that's where your bias really lies. Video three. So you actually do have somewhat of a course of action to take if you discovered that you don't have a good reason for thinking Christianity is true, including the morality aspect of it, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way. Video I want to find the link in this chart of yours that is the one that they're all dependent on the most. And it yes. sounds like it's the Bible and the infallibility of it. Absolutely. So I'm going to try to be out here before they walk through this area again, assuming that they uh, come out here on that day. Oh, here comes Shane. What's up? How are you? You've got your pie chart. Can I record it? Yeah, I have a colored one, but it streaked on my printer and then it only came out black and white in this one. Thank you for coming back. Of course. How of much course time I do you guess. have? I don't have class till one, so. What time is it now? 12, 11.50. 11.50. Oh, you got, we got 60 minutes? Yeah. Roughly? Yeah. Yeah. All right, appreciate you coming back. Oh, I enjoy this way too much. Well, not way too much. I love it too. I actually enjoy it. Did you have a two lot. apprentices out here yesterday? Would you mind holding my board just for a sec? Absolutely. Apprentices. Two people you were training. I saw someone else working the camp. <laughs> there was a young guy who stopped because he was just interested in what I was doing, and he ended up taking my board, putting my camera on, and he did an interview with somebody. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was really great. Thank you for holding my board too. Okay. I just want to get it all set. No problem. Okay. Like, now we do a, we do have a little background noise there, but I think we could probably knock some of that out. I apologize for that. I mean, I had it colored. Oh, okay. It's a little, yeah. Let's take a look at the other one. Your name is not it, is it? No, it's not. Okay. Unfortunately. Can you hold it up and I'll just get a, a good zoom in shot of you? Yeah. Let me get rid of these. No identifying information, right? No. Okay. No, no. Other, other than other than the whole foundation to your belief structure, right? <laughs> Let's see it. Hold yes. it up. Okay. This is a simplified form. 30% uh, on the Bible. It's now at 55% on testimony of personal testimony and 15% on testimony of others. Let me repeat it back. Roughly 30% of your confidence that Jesus is real is because of the Bible. Mm-hmm. 55% is personal testimony. Yes. And then roughly, what is, does that say 15? 15. 15% is other people's testimonies? Yes. Okay. Now. Are other people's testimonies related to the Bible? Yes. Okay. Yes. So there's others that are related to the Bible and others that are similar like mine that are personal testimonies. Are these three interdependent? And can I explain what I mean by that? Yes, please do. If we discovered that the Bible wasn't a reliable source of truth, would the other people's testimonies also decrease? Yes. Would your personal experiences also decrease? Yes. 
if we looked at him in any other different ways, if we started with a different way, if we started with personal experience, if that decreased, would the others decrease? No. Interesting. Because personal experience was only built up after the biblical foundation. Okay. So my biblical, once I found my Take a look biblical at this. foundation, oh yes, a honeybee. Look at that. Thinks it's yellow. That's beautiful. Thinks it's a flower. That's beautiful. I found my foundation first through the Bible, and then from there, taking that step of faith into looking into it and making my choice, the personal okay. experience continued to, or began to build. Can I repeat back what yes. I'm hearing? Yes. This is what I think I, I hear you saying. Once I determined that I can rely on what the Bible's saying, I found my personal experiences building, confirming what I have yes. already concluded is true? Okay. Yes. So within the biblical foundation, God says, I will do this, this, and this, and you'll see me in this, this, and this ways, and I have since then. And you wouldn't have normally come to those conclusions mm -hmm. if you hadn't already determined that the Bible's true? Yes, correct. So your 55% is largely dependent on your conclusion that the Bible's true? Yes. Yes. Okay. And that's been growing. Hmm. And so hmm. when I say 55%, it's been growing. yes, um, as I've matured through my walk and my faith, it's I've seen more and I've experienced more. I've, I have the other chart, which is, I really wish it was colored. Oh, wow. That's really uh, detailed. This is where I really detailed it out. So of the 30%, we've got... 10% is historical, 10% is geological, paleological, and archaeological evidence, and the other 10% is biblical foundation. So what I mean by this is I started with a historical. You looked to see what people were saying about the Bible at the time. Is that right? No, I did the opposite. So I looked at the Bible, I said, we've got chronicles of history that go on here for the Israelites. Do we see these chronicles reflected in the historical records of the other nations they were in contact with. Yes, we see mm. Babylon conquer mm. them. We see Assyria rise up. We see the Hittites come in and conquer them. We see the conflicts, we see the battles, we see them mm. in historical records. And then we see even more backed up in archeological records. Case in point, the Hittites. For years, everybody was like, archeologists are like the Bible is fallible, has this point, we, can never, we do not have the Hittites on record. And then they found the Hittites. And they found the Hittites hmm. and they realized, oh my gosh, all of our evidence was right here in it and it backs up what we were seeing. Is it your view as we stand right now that the Bible is infallible? Yes. Okay. Yes. And because you think that, you're building out this collection of personal experiences, I suppose. I don't know if I like the building up because I'm not trying to stockpile them. I'm not trying to search them out. They're things that happen in my life. Things happen in your life and then you reflect on them later. Yes. And then you, can I just finish it? And then yes, correct sorry. me if I, this isn't what I'm saying. I just don't also want to lose my point. Right, right, right. I don't want you to Because I've got like point. 30 ideas jumping in my head right now and I may even lost it. So as you're going through life and you're having mm -hmm. experiences, it occurs to you that Oh, this is confirming what I've learned in the book. Yes. 
And because you're having these associations, it's increasing or building out your collection of personal experiences. You're yeah. not intentionally going out and looking for them. Correct. They just, you notice them perhaps after the fact. Sometimes directly during the fact. Okay. One of them that makes sense. is um, prophecy about me. I was out at, with Campus Trade for Christ uh, in 2013 at their big break, which is down at Panama City Beach, Florida. Okay. Huge party zone. So we had our own conference that was going on, and in the afternoon we'd go out and we'd this was talk crew? to people. Camps to Save the Christ crew, yeah. Um, Are you still part of them? Not really. Right now they're focused at UTSA on first-year freshmen, and I just haven't mm, had time to really connect up with them. Um, I know. Um, an interesting play. Uh, <laughs> what do you think I meant when I quipped interesting to that? I don't know. I don't know. Just the focus only focus on freshmen right now is um what do you think the advantage is we're getting a little bit off track here let me just real quick what is the advantage of focusing on on freshman college students to introduce them to the ideas that crew likes to promote so the advantages are um you take a lot of flack and remember i come from the anthropology department we take a lot of flack right off the bat about christianity and our views and our biblical foundation and what is true and what is not. What is, you know, this is straight religion, this is not, religion's false. There's a whole bunch of views that we get through most of the humanities and a lot of the sciences. And so it's, we see a lot, histor I say historically, we see a lot um, over the years with Christians who grew up, were strong in their belief, falter in college, especially as a freshman, mm -hmm. because they don't have the support that they need. Are they the ones that are most at risk? I would say they're most at risk. But when I joined mm. crew, there was like 80 people involved in a weekly meeting. I may know a few people who were part of that group at that time. Um, over the years. So I went from mm. like 80 down to 20 by the time I was graduating. 80 people at least at a meeting okay. down to like less than 20. So, so there's been a refocus with this specific group. Mm -hmm. let's, let's table that. Yeah, that's fascinating, so, and I, we could probably make a 30-minute discussion about that. We need to bring in James for that discussion. Yeah, uh, send James by, whoever James is. Uh, he's the current leader for UTSA. Okay, uh, so you've even so, fleshed this out in greater detail. Yes. So for me, at that time, I was out, and I went with a group, and we were, we were just going where God led us, and he led us to this other pastor who was just sitting there saying free prayer. So he knows nothing about us. We know nothing. Oh, this about was at your, your outreach event yes, or your conference? At, at spring break, mm -hmm. around hundreds, thousands of others, tens of thousands of other people there to enjoy spring break mm -hmm. at Panama City Beach, Florida. Mm -hmm. We're like a mile from the big zone where everybody's at MTV. And he's just like free prayer. So we go up and we like, all right, pray for us. And the words he spoke were things he never should have known about me never could have known oh. about me. Direct hmm. words about my heart and where I was trying to go and that I am going in that direction. If this event didn't happen, would you be fluctuating in any degree yes. in your confidence? Yes. What would change um, if that event didn't happen? That's taking a good 5% chunk out of my 55% of personal testimony. And I say hmm. that as you know, that would probably take out a good 10 to 15% chunk out of that. If you discovered that something to your satisfaction just didn't click and you can no longer call it 
God's divine interaction working through him to make all these premonitions about you or, or some mm -hmm. sort of assessment. If you later reflected on it, or maybe you even just observed him and you noticed that he was telling the next 30 people nearly the exact same thing. That would shake it for sure. Yeah. That's what each person was told a different thing in there, and each person mm -hmm. had the same reaction. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what those were. Mm. It was a powerful connection of mm. God using him as a conduit to speak to me in a time in my life I actually really needed it. Okay. Where I wasn't hearing him, and I was reaching out and trying to. Mm. And like he says, um, uh, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open for you. So this was an important experience to you. It was. What I'm trying to understand though here is how these interrelate, and I don't wanna to get too granular. I like, actually, it's interesting how you even broke out your personal experiences. Yep. And you weighted that one like 5% or maybe even more now, I, 15. It's interesting how these are even fluctuating as we're talking about them. But here's why this part chart's good. I like that one. That's, that's I can get my mind around yeah. three slices. Yeah, yeah. That's why I did come back and create this one this morning. All right, but let me ask you this question. Yes. It sounds like the, the main three slices of your pie chart, and I would love to get a picture of you holding that before you go, if that's yes, okay. Yes, totally. It sounds like they're interrelated. One influences the other two. Mm -hmm. Exactly, they're, perfect. They're tied together. They're a cog and a wheel, they're tied together. Each one's a piece of the puzzle. Just for, just exactly for people who might just be listening, um, Shane is holding up the three-part gear. Yep. Yeah, the and they're all interlocking. Mm -hmm. But here's what I'm wondering. I, I wanna find the link in this chart of yours that is the one that they're all dependent on the most. And it yes. sounds like it's the Bible and the infallibility of it. Absolutely, Okay. Absolutely. So here's my big question to you. Yes. Would it in any way affect your, is it a 98%? I can't remember your current level of confidence. 100. Did you say 100? I was at 100, sir. You're I'm at 100. 100. Would that in any way cause any dip whatsoever in your 100% confidence that you have it figured out, that you have the objective truth standing in front of you? I want to say yes, because I want to say I can take that infallibility, which you and I have proven, that I can take that and directly prove it to everybody else in the world, and that I will throw everything aside and proclaim it even louder than what I'm trying to do now that I'm going to go out and show everyone in the world that this is infallible and why it's infallible. Oh, and I thought you were saying the complete opposite. No, 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 I no. I thought no, you no. were saying, if I discovered that, that this book is infallible, wait, infallible means um, inerrant. Yeah. If I discovered that the book, this is what I thought you were saying. If I discovered that this book is fallible, I will go around and make sure that I let everyone know that they can't be basing the, their God belief on this book. No, I would be taking that evidence <laughs> that is 100% there and spreading it even more than I am. I'll tell you what, if we do that together, I will be at your side doing this. Sounds good. Okay. I would willingly have you at Absolutely. my side. Absolutely. Now I mean, here's- You're here, I know you're out there ready to rock and roll for this type of stuff. I think it was in our second talk, we had a brief exchange about bias. Yes. And I am wondering if my bias might make me more reluctant to accept your reasons or if your bias mm -hmm. is making you a little bit. I would say that there is a definite yes to each of those. Um, a yes meaning what? Your bias is going to make it easier to accept or easier to decline what I'm saying. Yeah. And my bias is going to make it easy to accept or decline what you're saying. Okay. We can't 
avoid mm. there will be some form of bias there that's yeah. just human nature and we talked about that in talk too yes we talked about and that there's a link to that right here and okay. i will i will watch those after we have our discussion here good good i've avoided them to not have a bias i haven't even uploaded them that'll be cool yeah i was i was a little worried about tainting the discussion by uploading them too soon and you seem so eager to keep coming back up like those i'm going to sit on that, I, I really appreciate that because that goes back to the bias. We have to try and I'm, I've picked up different ways where I think your bias lands, but mm -hmm. I don't want any of our discussion, me not to approach something or discard something that's a factor, a key piece, because I think I know where your bias is and I believe you already have the answer. You believe I think I have the answer. Right. So I don't want to miss something that's a key piece yeah. for me because I think you already understand that and agree on that. Regarding bias. Yes. I want to leverage the bias that we both admit that we have. All right. So what I want to do is I want to identify your bias and your bias might actually be, I have a tendency to be more willing to accept claims that back up my conclusion that the book is infallible than I might be to accept an explanation to show that it's fallible. Okay. I want to take that bi that potential bias or what that likely bi bias that you may have. I don't know. Maybe you're maybe you don't, or maybe you're aware of it and you want to try to mitigate it. That's even better. That's where my goal is is to mitigate. That's ideal, but I don't know if that's possible. But here's my thing. Right. I'm wondering if we could actually take your bias and lean into it, and if we still discover that you don't have a good reason for thinking that, or a method for confirming that reason. Even you being biased about it, if you discovered that you don't have good reasons for thinking that that's true, you don't have a good method for testing those reasons. Reasons that you yourself may have a bias towards. It might have a more profound effect on your reassessment of your confidence and your belief. This is what I'm thinking could be the case. I, I absolutely would agree. It's absolutely true. And I've worked to mitigate that bias and I've worked to mm -hmm build my foundation and look at things critically and understand and try and understand how they are from outside my bias as best as possible. Sure. And I, I agree that there are times I can't do that, yeah. which is why there are other things on my part like others' testimony. These things are interrelated and dependent on you thinking that the Bible is inerrant and infallible. Yes. In short, what I'm trying to say is even if we took your bias into account, and you still discover that you have no good reasons or a reliable method for confirming that those reasons are good for thinking that your book is infallible and inerrant. That could be very powerful stuff because I'm not even asking you to look at it from my perspective. We're viewing it through your own prism. And if you still discover that you have no good reasons or a reliable method, I would think that that would have a profound impact on your confidence. I'm not strawmanning you. Right. We're going to take your best argument and see if we can knock it over together. All right. All right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we talked about some of the... And this only makes me better. And this is what I do try and do throughout my life is take these and make sure I have as little of a straw man as possible. So what... For your own views and others? For my own views, yes. Mm -hmm. um, and... Well, I don't know how Lynchpin or Strawman others. Um, also, for example, you could say, Anthony, the only reason why you don't believe in God is because you want to sin. 
when that oh, may okay. not be my reason yeah, why. That, that, okay, yes, 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 yes. No, yeah, um, definitely for my own. Um, you wouldn't want to straw man me, I, 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 correct? No. Or would you? No, I would. I want <laughs> to do exactly what we're doing here. Challenge mm-hmm. you, help you, make you think. Because that's what's been best for me. Awesome. And where I learned and built my foundation was think. Think. Mm-hmm. Test. Mm. And I'm not the only one to do this. C.S. Lewis did this. It took him years to become a Christian because he went through and he decided, he said, I don't believe. But why don't I believe when my best friend, one of my best friends, was J.R. Tolkien, believes? Mm. And he went through and he looked around and he took the Bible and he took history and he looked at what's out there. Mm. And can I believe that this is inerrant? And, and he found it compelling. Yes. And there's another book, I forget who it's written by, In Search of the Truth. But this has been done over the ages I'm interested, by plenty of people. Shana. So me yes. on that. Yes. Let's talk about um, that. Can I, let, me re, let me reset this a yes. little bit. And I, I hear completely what you're saying. Mm-hmm. There are people that have looked at it, they've researched it, they've thought about it, they've even tested it. And they're part of. They found where it compelling enough to up. become a Christian. Yes. And I think what you're saying is you you've done similar things. Yes. Here's another one of my questions for you. We can even end it on this point and meet a fifth time. Would it be a fifth time if I'm trying to even think? It would be a fifth time. We're covering a lot we of ground. We still have time um, for me anyway. We do. We do have time. But here's can I let's, ask my let's throw this let's out. Ask, ask yes. my question. You have the option of answering it. Walking away, um, I never see you again, or you decide to come back. Whatever, we have we have nearly unlimited options here. We do. If you discovered that you are incapable of adequately testing the infallibility of the Bible, would you lower your confidence in your God existing? If I was incapable, or if my uh, ability to test and confirm that the Bible is infallible. If we discovered that you have the inability, inability. to even test it inability adequately, to test it adequately to your satisfaction, to my satisfaction, would it impact your confidence that you have the objective truth in front of you? Yes. How much of an impact are we talking about? I don't know. I don't I don't know if even leaving here and thinking about it coming back if I could pinpoint it. Would it nudge you at in the would it nudge you in any way from the 100%? You can only go in one direction. Yeah, at this point I can only go <laughs> one direction. Um and it's not a one-way street, by the way. Right. It would definitely give me a moment where I have to step back and think. I can guarantee you I'm going to step back. I'm going to think. I'm going to reassess my materials. I'm going to reassess the other options. Mm. Will you reassess the impact that it's going to have on your life and, and the, the, uh, the alternate moral code that you might need to find yourself dusting off and taking another look at? The one that we talked about in talk three? Um, at some point it's going to have to. Yeah. At some point it's going to have to. For now, you just want to see, is this going to budge me at all for my 100? That's what I think I hear you saying at this point. The infallibility of the Bible is 
I can repeat the question yeah, if you to leave you with. Question. Okay, this is off my memory. Hopefully, I'm getting it. If we discovered that you were incapable of adequately testing the infallibility of the Bible, would it in any way decrease your confidence that your God exists? And again, I'm afraid if we were to step away from this and go to a fifth session, I'd lose my edge on thinking on this one. Because hmm. um, we're right here, right now. Your edge is sharper to answer it now than to wait and think about it more? With all that's going on in my life, yes. In okay. the middle of a move, in the middle mm -hmm. of Christmas and a bunch of other things going on in my life. If you think it would be best for you to address it now as we're talking, I'm fine with that. And I'm also fine with other options. I can always try, and if we need to go back and address it, we want to come back for let's a fifth do that. session. Let's Let's go for that direction. Mm -hmm. So, Do you want to repeat my question back to make sure you got it before you... If we were to be able to make it where I could not prove the infallibility of the Bible, would it force me to reassess where I'm at and how much? And the answer yeah, is definitely... Yes, and the answer to, I, I've talked about before, the building of a house mm -hmm. and how that's one side of my house. And that side, I'm going to find out, is a lot weaker than I thought, and I'm going to have to reassess how that part of my house was built and what that's going to require me to do to make sure my house is firm. You may need to move to a new community. Yes, yes. Um, but one of the first things I definitely know I'm going to do is, which is why you had me pie chart it out, is look at, again, my personal testimony and the testimony of others. Which we discussed, though, are dependent on you thinking yes. that the Bible, that's why, yes. remember you held up this pipe, so, these gears? Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to need to do, holding up the gears again, is this one's shaken but how does if the others much. help me reassess if this one is true that it is infallible aren't all of your personal experiences dependent on first thinking that the bible has it right Ooh, this might be where i hit a stone wall with my bias um Yes, it, it is the, um, it is the cornerstone which I've built off of. Which is why I want to focus on it. Right, right. And over the years, and this, if me explaining this might be able to help find where, refund the question, refund, um, can I frame it as a hypothetical to yes. look at another individual yes. who might be contemplating something similar? Yes. Let's, yes. let's think about a Hindu who's in, in uh, he's in India okay. and I'm on vacation there. I actually get a chance to meet with him mm -hmm. and he's out, he actually watches this discussion maybe even and he puts a, a little pie chart together for himself and he's excited to see me and he's been watching my videos and he wants me to SE him. And he says, you know what? Even if I discover that my holy book, the Bhagavad Gita, is not correct. Oh, is, is, you know that's awesome. Yeah, I said it a lot. <laughs> if he discovered that he has no way of testing the fallibility or infallibility of it, that 
he would still be just as confident that Vishnu is real because, well, I'll just build up my personal experience. When he's already acknowledged that his personal experience is dependent on first thinking, right. that the book has it. Right. And this is where, I hate admitting it, but this is where um, I know, this is where my linchpin probably is. What would a person who's being honest about it say? Because honestly, I do dislike having to rely on personal experience um, for a part of my faith. There was 55% on there. Mm -hmm. I do hate it because it's less, it's not empirically, it's not empirical data, which is what we talked about in the first one. Did we is talk it, about a hypothetical Hindu who might No, be, but we talked about empirical data versus um, subjective truth, truth relative, and opinion. Yeah. And yeah. it's where I start to lose empirical data on. I follow you. And I and it that, becomes more of an opinion. This is what I think I hear you saying, and this is actually brilliant. Well, I think this is what you're saying, and I've never quite thought of it in this way. Personal experience might be more in line with subjective interpretations and subjective truth as opposed to objective factual things that we could test about reality. Yes, yes. Did I load too much onto that potato? Uh no, no, and it's true. And there's places in my life that I could argue. I give the one prophecy. There's a couple other places I could argue as trying to be more empirically, just taking time, plenty. How are we in time? I just hit 12.15, so we got like 35 more minutes. And we're gonna battery good uh, too. So it, it's, there's places I can argue with my, um, personal experiences for more empirical data. How that's going to be accepted by another individual mm -hmm. is a question mark. Are you using your view that you have the objective truth that the Bible is inerrant to make your personal experiences less subjective and more objective? Okay, repeat it again just so I have it in my head Yeah. as I run it through everything. Uh, are you using, the, okay, I'm, 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 this is, again, I've got like 30 things going through my mind. I think you, you're of the view that you have the objective truth. You're standing, remember right. that first one? There right. was these, all these symbols, everyone could be looking. There's papers for the symbols, but yes, there's all the Yeah, symbols. I'm gonna overlay some graphics so it'll be on the ground here. Cool. But. You think you're standing in front of the objective truth, and that is that the Bible, I think, is that the Bible is infallible and it's inerrant. Yes. And because of that objective truth that you think that you have, does that have the ability to skew your personal experiences and make them more objective and less subjective? Does it have the ability to, to alter our personal experiences and make them objectively true because you've already concluded that your book is objectively true? Or are they always subjective opinions and interpretations, regardless of what you think about the objectivity of the Bible? Do you follow me? I follow you, and I'm trying to deduce my answer. Um, and doing my best to step back and double check where my biases are. Mm -hmm. um, I applaud you for that. And double check what can I pull that we would stay as more empirical that would be less reliant on the 
um, that would we could state objectivity that is objective truth. This is what I think I'm hearing from you. Okay. Is that when we look at your 100% confidence that you can't be mistaken on it. There's no doubt. You can't be wrong on it at all. This is what I think I hear you saying. Okay. Is that you would prefer that your reasons that consist, that build up your pie chart are objective facts about reality and they're less subjective. Yes. You'd prefer that to be the case. However, yes. when we look at them and even just the three, and maybe we can carve them, look at the other one that carves them down even more. There might be some subjective qualities to some of them. You'd prefer to have objective factual backing yes, absolutely. for we this have. confidence that you have. Yes. But my question is, is your view that you do have at least one factual standing, which is your holy book, is that, does that have the ability to, to flavor the other reasons on your pie chart to make them more objectively true because you've already concluded that you've got the truth with this book? $8. I think the only answer I can give without backpedaling is yes. That, yes, yes what? Can you elaborate um, just a little bit? That yes, it has, um, that yes, it does in ways flavor how I view the more subjective points of my faith. It would have to because I have hmm. built the strong cornerstone and foundation hmm. there. Okay. If we discovered that everything that makes up your pie chart is a subjective interpretation that's largely swayed by some biases maybe that we discover later on, and you don't have the objective truth of the matter. Even when it comes to the Bible, would it budge you off of your 100%? Yes. Yes. Um, it would have to. It would have to because I've lost. Um, I've lost the cornerstone, which, as we talk, also it does appear to be somewhat of a linchpin. If I lose that cornerstone. Um, it's, uh, I'll run this analogy. When over D-Day, um, World War II France, actually anyone doing early jumping, and still today if you do static line jumping, which means you're doing um, parachute jumping off of a Keep talking. lower um, height, and so you're connected straight in. You're not, um, if you do your static line and there's open and when you open, you jump and then you pull your chute in a static line, you're connected up. And when you jump out, it connects and it pulls your chute. Um, Have you done this? No, no, I've oh. looked at it, but sounds, that's a scary sounds terrifying. Idea. Scary idea. Um, I'm a World War II historian and buff, like, yeah, I know this stuff. So when a static line, you jump out for your parachute, connected to that line there's a single pin and you have to jump out in the correct fashion formed like this and drop for that pin to pull out mm -hmm. and if that pin pulls out right it pulls your parachute you're safe so i'm in a position where my parachute for certain is my biblical foundation that the biblical foundation the bible is inherent 
that there is no errancy and it is 100% true. That when... And you have the ability to test this. Let me run this analogy, finish out this analogy. Please, I don't want to throw you off. When my life, at the end of my life, that is my parachute and I jump and you're gonna have your own that you're gonna jump out at the end of your life and it's that static, is that when that pin pulls, is it gonna pull and let that parachute out or is it gonna fail because you didn't jump out right and you're gonna fall to your death and you're gonna be wrong. And so my entire thing, my parachute is the Bible is inherent or is inherently infallible. And And because of that objective fact, you're on good standing. That pin holds or that pin works the way that that pin will work the way it needs to when I die. When you die. That when I die and Mm. I go to Whatever that one, because of it's a biblical standing that when I die and I go to heaven, that Jesus Christ will stand there and say, all that he's done wrong, all of what we call sin, being separated from us, I died, I covered that, he is one of yours, and God's gonna open that book of life and find my name in it and say, yes, you are one of mine, you are one of my children, and I'm let into heaven. We can go into a long concept mm. of heaven and a talk on there. That was, that was great. And can, but, I, can I build off of this yes, just a little bit? It. <sighs> it sounds like having a life after death is of extreme importance to you. That's yes. the sense that I'm getting from what you just told me. Oh, that's a... Do you know where I'm going with my question? No, but that's an immediate, interesting... Um, if you don't feel that way, let me know. But it, I'm getting the impression that... Having a life after death is important to you. It's important, but the odd thing is, I will readily admit that while Jesus um, says we need to, that our, our treasures will be ones that we need to store up in heaven and not on earth. You know, he states gold and silver, cloth, you know, all the fancy things, they rust and they rot and moths eat them and they don't hold up. And at the end of our life, what is going to happen to those things? They're either getting passed on to someone else. We can't take them on with us. So store up the treasures in heaven. Do what you need to do to store up the treasures in heaven. I have an actual problem quantifying those treasures that I store up. I know doing A, B, and C will help. We'll store them up, but I don't understand that. I have a faith that there is an afterlife, but most of mine is really kind of built around here and now because I just haven't quite grasped that concept as objective, I guess. Um, May I ask a question? That's a huge faith step out on that one. Yes, ask the question. Could your appreciation for the concept of having a life after death be subjectively biasing your conclusion that you have the objective truth with the Bible being infallible. Sorry, we've been talking a while now. Um, I can repeat my question, or if you want to repeat it to me, that'd be great. Does my... 
um, bias about an afterlife create a subjectivity about how I view my empirical data in the Bible? Yep. The answer to that is <clears throat> no. You would still believe just as fervently and be just as convinced that the Bible is objectively true if there was no life after death? That cannot happen because the Bible, as in, because a huge portion, the Bible in and of itself is built around within the first three chapters. It talks about the it. Actual foundation of it as a life after death. I, th I think I found a, a better. Life created before Sorry. death. And then since humanity walked away from God and decided we want to make our own choices like you let us, that's a being, to me being in the image of God is our ability to make mm. our own choices. That I get to choose what my religion is, I get to choose who my God is. Mm. And he built us to have that free will to do that, but that also walked away and created that, that divide, that sin divide is often called. And so that in and of itself creating death built this life after death that we can have because when God first made the world, it was perfect and it didn't have death. There was no death involved in it in any scale. Um, As I'm listening to you here very closely, it occurred to me of a different way of rephrasing okay. what I just asked you, but in a more simple way. Okay. It sounds to me what you're saying, and this may not be what you're saying, so please correct me if it isn't. What I think I hear you saying is, I like what the stories in the book tell me, and therefore, it could be a factor in thinking that it's objectively true. I don't know if you're saying that. Could your, I almost want to say the word infatuation, but it's the wrong word, but could your appreciation, maybe is the only other word that keeps coming to mind, could your appreciation of the stories and these, these promises that the book are making be leading you to be more open to accepting it as objective truth? No, because I have, still plenty of time, I have worked to rip the stories apart and look at them as objective truth. Are they historically backed? Gotcha. Are they backed in the archaeological you record? Think Are they backed in the paleological and geological record okay. of the world? Can I, can I just interrupt? Yes. I think we've come full circle, and I think you've confirmed that you accept it as objectively true because there's all this stuff that backs it, and we have the ability to test the infallibility of it. So maybe even though you might have 10 more minutes left, yeah. I think it might be good to end it. Yeah. And maybe yeah. when we pick it up, we can talk about, and you can think about it in between. Yes. What is my best approach for testing the fallibility or the infallibility of this book that I think is objectively true? Good homework. Because if I understand right. Let me, where's if, my phone? Let me make sure I mark this in my phone too. <laughs> Go through. Um, have you emailed? You haven't emailed me yet. You can always email no, me too. No, I have not emailed you yet. Um, I've uh, kind of avoided making. Well, I haven't needed to email you, but I've kind of made, tried to stay away from everything for no bias. Good for you. Uh, Good for you. So, what is my greatest argument for the infallibility? No, um, not necessarily. What is, 
Tell me about the way that you're going about testing okay. the infallibility of the Bible. What <laughs> is my way to test the infallibility of the Bible? Not, not necessarily, yeah, I guess so. Number one, I'm wondering if you even have a test. Because remember that, that earlier question? If we discovered together that you don't have a way to adequately test the infallibility of the Bible, would it impact your confidence in that 100%? Mm -hmm. I'm still not entirely sure where we stand on it, if it would or not. Um, we talked about linchpin then shortly after that too. If we discover that you do not have the ability to adequately test that the holy book that you think has the objective truth is infallible, the criteria that you yourself have specified, taking into account all your own personal biases that you readily admit that you have, and I think it's great that you do that. If we discover that you cannot test it to see if it's true or false, what does that do to your overall confidence in all those other reasons and your 100% certainty that you've got it figured out? Okay, okay. Can we end it on that note? Yeah, yeah, let me just. Let's say we struggle to even come up with what would be an adequate test. If you have a view that you have the objective truth on something that we can't verify, why would a person think that it's objectively true? Yeah, what is an adequate test? Mm -hmm. That's probably the best part of that one. Ooh, this is where it gets really, really fun. And let's say that you come back with things from your holy book that you would say, this is what the book says, this is why it's objectively true. I'm gonna accept what you're telling me, but I'm interested in testing now. I wanna figure out how you could determine that that verse is mistaken, or that that historical authorship was oh, mistaken. This is gonna be a fun one. Remember, testing isn't just proving that something passes the test, it's right. seeing what a fail test would look like. So I'd like to get an idea of, of passes and fails. This is gonna be fun. Mm -hmm. This is gonna be fun. Feel free to type it out like you did with your pie chart. I'm, I'm already thinking we're gonna be running a type out on this one because it's gonna be, well, there's always gonna be multiple layers to a test. Here's my hypothesis, here's my test, mm -hmm. here's the answer. Would I be able to repeat cycles. it? Yep. Would that Hindu in India be able to repeat it and come yep. to the same conclusion? Yep. Well, this is gonna be fun. Mm -hmm. I really admire your positive attitude in all of this. And, and, and looking at it, you seem almost giddy actually right now standing in front of me. You're smiling from ear to ear. And um, I really I appreciate your two attitude. two years to a camp called Worldview Academy where we did this and slammed and worked to test infallibility and different religions oh. and what was going on. Why do, should I believe the Bible with what it says? Mm -hmm. Why? Should they believe what I believe? Why should I not believe what they believe? And perhaps even more important, did they use an appropriate methodology for going about this? What were their biases? Yes. What are my biases? And can I repeat their results? And what would a fail test of theirs look like? There's literally a video with a question that's asked, which bias is the best bias to be biased by? <laughs> and that's the, that's the answer that we're coming down, the question we're coming down to in all different respects, is which bias is the best bias to be biased by? I'm gonna remove my bias as best as possible, yeah. but it still comes down to that this is the best bias I believe to be biased by. We've got some noise that just kicked up, so we should probably wrap it yep. up, but here's my last question that I'll leave okay. you with. Shouldn't an objective truth trump any bias that a human has? Yes. Okay.
Yes. Okay. Great job. Yes, I better put that. Do in you want to? Okay. Uh, I oh. think I will need to email you for that one. Uh, can an object can an objective shouldn't an objective truth trump any bias that we have? If we can account for our bias and mitigate it as best as possible, and incorporate a test that has te- that has pass and fail components to it. Yeah. We should be able to get pretty close to figuring out if something is objectively true or not. Yeah. I'll give you another opportunity to find out where I stand on your claim. Because sometimes I get feedback from people who say, you should have done that. And I think I've offered two or three times at least now. So I'll, I'll extend the invitation again. <laughs> But if you think that it would be better to hold off until we're... I think I'm going to hold off still. I think, I'm key, I, I think I've keyed in, but I think I want to hold off <laughs> on it because I don't want... We're, now that we're definitely nailing in on trying to test objective truth, if I know what bias you're hold on. approaching... Hold trying, trying to test what you think is objective Sorry, truth. Trying to Object- test and prove objective truth. No trying to test what you think is objectively true. Do you notice the difference? You think you have the objective yes. truth. Yes. I want to test to see how you determine that what you're thinking is true. Yes. Testing that what I see and say is objective truth, if it is. I don't want to know your bias because I want as you talk and give me feedback and ask questions to you, well, you know my biases, but if I have, if I Not know entirely. your bias. I have a sense of them. Okay, you've got a better sense of them than what um, I've given, that you've given me. I also have a sense that you acknowledge that you have them and you're trying to mitigate them. Yes, yes. And that's a lot more than I usually get from people. I Yeah, and I'm afraid that if I know, I will believe you're mitigating something that you may not, and so I answer differently. We may be letting our own personal subjective biases and opinions and desires getting in the way of figuring out what's objectively true. And if I know what yours is, I may answer in a way or approach it in a way that doesn't, that puts more bias into, if I know your bias, I have a bias about you. Exactly. To have as little bias about you as possible as we go in and approach this. I appreciate that. For our fifth one. It's one, probably one of the advantages of just talking to a stranger because you don't tend to know where they stand. So it might actually help a practitioner of this method be a little bit more effective in being neutral. And that's what I'm When I don't know the person is being as neutral as possible, especially Mm -hmm. since you're filming, being as neutral as possible because other people are gonna look at this. And I don't want them to see me running a bias off of what you believe, which creates a straw man argument. Mm -hmm. Um, Or something along those lines. Yeah. So, I think this will be be a fun one coming up. Yeah, this is really good. I, I really enjoyed the talk and in everything that we've covered. I think it was extremely productive. And thank you for bringing that pie chart. I thought that was great. Can I get a picture of you yeah, holding that up say, before you, you go? Want a picture, yeah, a why not? Picture. It got a little wrinkled. Okay. I'll have to come with a colored one next time. Yeah, sure. 
Um, Honestly, I think we can probably move beyond that for now. Yeah. Because I think we've identified the linchpin. Okay, so this is the detailed one. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then you want to do the back, the other side? Yeah, that's... That's... Oh, is that... Uh, this is... This oh, is, it's see-through. Oh, that's better. Just hold it to your chest. Oh, okay. Because uh, it's so see-through, you can't... There you go. Okay. Oops. Thanks for... Uh, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, no, I enjoy this stuff way too much. Mm-hmm. Well, probably not way too much. So at this point, you don't want to know where I stand on your claim because you don't want that to bias the direction that you're going. Yeah. Yeah. The more we can be aware of our biases and our own personal egos getting inflamed when we're talking about this, the more productive I think it will be. And I think that this has been incredibly productive. I've been doing this for a number of years. And, and, I, and this is great. You coming back and being willing to be so open and honest about it. Don't be egotistical about it, but I think I'm doing a really good job at mitigating my biases and have been it seems trying that way. to. It seems that way to um, me. Yeah. Uh, and admitting where I'm a little bit more biased. So. Uh, you know, it, is a person who is extremely cautious about integrating their own biases in their conclusion... That seems to me like a person who wants to believe true things. Yes. And that if they discover that they don't have a good reason for thinking that it's true, they will abandon that view. Yeah. Until they have a better reason for thinking that it's true. Are you that type of person? Definitely would believe that I'm type of that person. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just the way my brain works. Mm. Um, why would I... Why? I just believe you should know why you believe what you believe. I won't speak on something or try not to speak on something or approach if I don't know it, that, hey, I don't know, but here's my initial thoughts. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm an expert on it. Okay. So either become an expert or do my best to become an expert or find reliable sources to help back my belief or why I should believe it. Um, or, you know, become the best expert I can on it. So when we meet again for a fifth time... I hope that happens whenever you're comfortable doing it. We are running out of days, from my understanding. We are. Um, I will be here probably tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday. Sorry, Thursday and Friday. Uh, <laughs> today's yeah, Wednesday. Uh, today's Wednesday. Um, I may no. need... Um, tomorrow I have a final. It's the last day of class last... Um, you know, she's doing the test on the last day of class. Mm -hmm. We're not having a real final there. Um, which is fun. Uh, prefer it. So, I won't be on campus on Friday because today's the last day of my other class. Will you have some time after um, your exam? What time is your exam? My exam goes to 1, and I'm not going to have time to write this up and address this topic. Oh, let's not I rush it. Yeah, so let's not rush it. But over the break, I'll email you, and over the break, when yeah. we can get together at some place. And there is a chance that I might come back to this campus for a few weeks into 2020 when the when the... Is it the spring session starts? Yeah. Yeah. So. I, w I wanted to ask you one question. Yeah. Or at least say one more thing. When you come back for this fifth chat that I hopefully we can work out and make happen, do you remember? Sure we can, whether it's on campus or not somewhere else. It could be anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We can, Maybe a quieter spot. Yeah, I'm sure. We Ideally can standing, because I really like talking to people standing up. I think it reveals a lot more about their views. Body language, definitely. Exactly. Even though it's not a perfect science. No. And there starts that again. <laughs> Um, I was going to ask you, give me a second while I think about it. Oh, 
when you when you decide to eventually come back, where are we planning to pick this up? I think I have an understanding of where we're picking this up, but I want to see if you remember it. And I can repeat it if you'd we're like. We're supposed to pick up on what my great argument for the objective truth of the Bible is. Well, maybe you need to first select to, your best argument. What's the what's the part the second part of that? And how to test it, and that we can test it and retest it and retest it. You got it. What does a failed test of this look like? What does a past test of this look like? Do we even have the ability to adequately test it? What is an adequate test? What does an adequate test normally look like? Okay, let's wrap it up. This is gonna be yep. great. Yep. You got all my info? And I do, I do. I you, have do you have all three of these now? I do have, they're all in the bag. Did I give you the fourth prize yet? No. Okay, I have something for you. I've got all three of them. Oh, you're there. And you're there. Hmm? And you're there. Yep. You got all of them. So this is something I give people who come back for four talks. It's a, it's the same kind of squishy material, and it's shaped like a brain. Those are always fun. Yeah. Um, we'll yeah. definitely figure out a fifth time because I want to do this. I want to test my tests again. Testing your tests. Yes. I'm going to test my great, tests again. That's a great you. way of uh, summarizing what we need to do next time. Okay, cool. All right. Thank you so much, Anthony. It's great to see you. Thanks for the talk. What an incredible guy. What an incredible talk. How fantastic is it to have somebody come back and be so open and honest about why they think something is true and their own biases? And acknowledging that truth is very likely objective. And personal experiences can be fairly subjective. Am I, am I putting more objective weight on my subjective experiences because I've already concluded that I have the objective truth in this book? And then we get to the heart of it. How can we figure out that this is objectively true? What's your, what's your methodology for testing it? What is your epistemology? This is exactly what we're doing in street epistemology. As I mentioned in my conversation with him, I have been holding off on uploading these because I don't want to skew him. And he also doesn't want to be skewed. Even if I uploaded them, it sounds like he wouldn't have watched them. That was an excellent talk with Shane, and I'm so eager to talk with him again. The Street Epistemology Podcast is a production of Street Epistemology International. You can donate or learn more about this nonprofit organization at streetepistemologyinternational.org. The views, guests, and topics expressed here or not expressed here do not necessarily represent those of the organization.